Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not subject us to the final test. The Gospel of the Lord. As much as I love preaching about Jonah, I'm going to preach on the Gospel today. I love that Jonah guy. He's so great. All right. So the... In ancient Judaism, just as as is the case today, there were hundreds of... Uh, memorized prayers, right? Just as there are in the Christian tradition. There was hundreds of memorized prayers, prayers that were said throughout the day, prayers before certain situations. Many of them started with this. I'm about to pre- impress you with my Hebrew at 8 o'clock in the morning. They would start with, Baruch Adonai Eluheinu Melecha Alam, which means, Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe. That's how a lot of the prayers would begin. And this address to God, addressing Him as, you know, his majesty, our Lord, our God, king of the universe, right? Never, ever, ever, until the scene we just heard in the gospel, did any of the prayers of ancient Judaism start with Avino Shebashayim, which is our Father who is in heaven. Never in the history of Judaism did a prayer begin with those words. And that's super significant. That's very significant. So the scene again, again, you have Jesus, he's in prayer by himself. And just imagine what that looked like. Like he was in dialogue with the Father. He knew he was talking heart to heart, sharing hearts with his Father. And the disciples witnessing the kind of prayer that Jesus had, they knew that there was something different or distinct about the way he was praying. That there was something utterly different. And they come to him, they say, Teach us how to pray. Like what you were just doing, we want to know how to do that. We want to enter into that. You know, John the uh, Baptist, he taught his disciples how to pray. Will you teach us how to enter into that kind of dynamic that you just had? And Jesus begins by giving them that, those first words, avinu, which is the plural form of Abba, right? The plural possessive of like our Father. And if you're, you know, one of the Jewish disciples listening to Jesus say this, that would have immediately just like taken you by surprise. There's no, oh Lord our God, King of the universe in that. It's so utterly intimate. It's so personal. It's presuming a kind of relationship that Baruch Adonai is just not, it just doesn't have. There's a guarded reverence in those good and ancient Jewish prayers, O Lord our God, King of the universe. 
See, here's the thing, like, as Christians living in the, you know, 21st century, we have so deeply absorbed this idea that we call upon God as our Father, that we call ourselves God's children by adoption, that it's just, like, in the air we breathe, it's just a given that we have, but we don't realize how utterly radical that is, how utterly radical. See, what Jesus is teaching his disciples is that prayer is not just simply making these formal addresses like to the king of the universe, right? You've got like these memorized lines and I'm gonna impress the king of the universe like coming before the high court, I'm gonna read some lines that he's gonna love. That's not what prayer is. He's saying there's something so much more intimate going on here that's being drawn into a dialogue of immense intimacy. Yes, you are, you are addressing the, indeed the king of the universe, but in and through Jesus the son, right? In and through him we've been adopted. In and through him, we've become royalty, so to speak. Like the king's son speaks to the king differently than everybody else speaks to the king. The king's son has access to the king in a way no one else has access to the king. The king's son knows the king's heart, moves the king's heart, is heir to the king's affections in a way nobody else is. To be the son is different. That changes everything. And that's what happened to us at our baptism. We receive in those waters of baptism what the catechism calls the filial identity. That we're not just simply cleansed of original sin. We're not just simply made temples of the Holy Spirit. We are given the deepest identity of Christ the Son, the beloved. So much so that when the Father beholds us, he sees his Son in us. That we have the same claim to his heart that Jesus did. We move his heart in the same way that Jesus did. When I was a lot younger and I'd be over at my friends' houses, you know, I was what they used to call husky, but that's not politically correct anymore. But uh, I was a husky boy and I used to get hungry all the time, right? So I'd be over at my friends' houses and I, you know, it, was, it would be totally improper for me to like have called up from the basement to my friend's mom and say, hey, Mrs. Baldry, make me a sandwich, right? I would have been kicked out of the house. That would have been terrible. But I wasn't stupid, so I said to my friend, hey, Nick, ask your mom to make us some sandwiches. And he would call up the steps, hey mom, can you make us some sandwiches? Oh, of course, yeah, peanut butter, cut the crust off, yeah, great, okay. That's, well, the point, of course, is that like, the son has a different claim on the heart of his parent than the friend of the son does. We're not merely friends of the son, Jesus. By our baptism, the father looks at us and says, I'd be happy to make your sandwiches because you're my son, because you're my daughter, because you are adopted into the family. That's why, in a moment, after the son is made present upon this altar, we will stand as brothers and sisters, members of the same family, that we have the audacity to then call upon God as our father, right? At the Savior's command, not the Savior's suggestion, at the Savior's command informed by divine teaching. This is God teaching us how to address him, we dare to say, we dare to say, we have the audacity to say, our Father, right? Avinu. We have the audacity to say it. And I love what we do. You know, I know it's changed throughout the years, but, you know, the, the, the ritual, of course, is that we raise our hands in this Oran's position. Those of you who, you know, you remember when your kids were little and they wanted you to pick them up, when they wanted to be held, what would they do? They would come to you and they would raise their arms. They would raise their arms. That's what we're doing in that moment. 
because we have access to the Father. We don't have to come groveling before Him. I know sometimes we often think we do, but we don't. You don't have to come groveling before Him because He's your Father. He delights in you. He says, yes, I will bend down and I'll pick you up. That's what's happening. Every single Mass, that's what's happening. Jesus has brought us into His family. We have His blood moving through our veins. We have His name. We begin every Mass by reminding ourselves what our name is, the family name of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's how we begin. We easily forget. So Jesus, remind us again today whose we are, that we are the sons and daughters of the King, that through you, through your blood, shed upon the cross and made available to us in baptism, we've been adopted into the family, made royal heirs to the kingdom. Amen.